Good afternoon. Welcome to the program. It's Thursday, and according to Guy Phillips, we just entered a wind chill advisory. Is yeah, that right? uh, it was just uh, announced, but the actual wind chill advisory begins tomorrow night at 6 p.m. and goes through Saturday at noon. We're expecting wind, wind chills, and it's, there's nothing funny about this except that it's St. Louis. Truly, if you don't like the weather, wait a few minutes. This is part and parcel of that because it's we're having a heat wave. Like it was 42 in my car when I was driving I here. I thought it was supposed to be getting warmer. Well, it, it's winter. You can get colder. But tomorrow night, wind chills to minus 20 below. Oh, my gosh. No. Now you're talking about real danger with frostbite and hypothermia. And oh, my stuff. gosh. But, good, you know, the good news is it's not going to be a 24-hour deal, but... Saturday air temperature yeah. down to four. I always, I always love when you look at it and it's in single digits. Yeah, the air temperature, but the, but uh, the wind, wind chill. Wind chill. 20. Yeah. God, that's like Siberia. Yeah. Um, well, you bundle Or up, my first like, marriage. Oh, there we go. Uh, another <laughs> marriage joke. We don't have a rim shot here. Well, you were just walking in the hall with Carney on your way in here, and I was like, Boy, the jokes between those two could kill a man. Can I tell you something? Not one joke was exchanged. Really? It was all about family. Uh, you know, John's getting a little older, I think. Yeah. And, you know, so. <laughs> He's losing his edge. Exactly. <laughs> uh, on the, I, I lost mine a long time ago. Yeah. On the show today, uh, you have changed, you know, with, with the two grandkids. Van yeah. and, and, Guy, and Max. And Guy Jr. Yeah. Van and Max, yeah. three-letter words, both. Can, can I tell you a quick funny story about that? Sure. So way back in the early 70s, I was working at a cable TV station. I was doing two shows. I was doing the weather for the 6 o'clock news, and then I would come back later that night at 9 o'clock, and I would do cable bingo. <laughs> All right, okay. So now I'm just setting the stage here. So... Just before the news went on at, at 6, it was probably 10 till 6, our sports guy, his name was Ben No. I cornered him and I said, hey, Ben, my brother who used to play baseball, college baseball for the University of South Alabama, they were just named the number one team in the country. That was like 1972. They overtook UCLA. So... He said, oh, it's great. You know, I'll, I'll mention it. So during the, the sports, it was probably his last story. He comes on the air and he says, or, you know, they do a close-up of him. And he says, and our, our very own Guy Phillips uh, uh, just told me that the University of South Alabama Jaguars is now the number one baseball team, college baseball team in the country, overtaking the UCLA Bruins. And Guy's brother... And he paused because he forgot to get his name. His name. And he said, and Guy's brother, Guy Jr., plays on that team. <laughs> no. So when you said Guy Jr., it reminded me of that. And I, I thought, you could have come up with any other. I mean, why is it that the mind shuts down? You know, you could have said Scott, Steve, Bob, you know. Guy's uh, brother. Muhammad. Gil. <laughs> George Foreman, how he named all his sons. Yeah, that's right, all George. Yeah. Um, but but isn't that funny? It's like I would, guy. Why didn't he just say stop? stop. It's guy's brother, 
is on the team. Yeah, is on the team, and I, I forgot to get his name. You know, <laughs> were you standing there? Waiting? I was standing right yeah. there, waiting yeah. to do another weather report. No, I was finished with it. But that's so funny. Um, well, Guy Junior, Guy Junior on the show. Yeah, and now he's at University of South Alabama. We'll have to look him up and get his baseball card. Uh, on the show today, not only is Guy Phillips filling in for Heidi Glaus, she is out on vacation, sunny Mexico. But uh, we press on. Dr. Kathleen Corley wrote a book about school, the magical place we call school, and what does the future of school look like? We are just celebrating or commemorating or acknowledging um, that Uvalde report that just came out. It's tragic. It know? is. Yeah. And, and the missteps that happened there, they say they want to use it as a template of, of what not to do. And how to train for future school shootings. It's a way of life. It, it Unfortunately, it really is a way of life. And, and there are so many other components to school these days than what we faced when we were going to school. And there, I'm certain there were, there were bullying, you know, aspects of school. But it certainly wasn't as, as prevalent, I think, as it is today. And there were... There are other things that, you know, you could not do in school. Kids couldn't smoke on the campus. Now it's like, you know, they have smoking rooms where kids can. I mean, it's school has changed dramatically. But there are stories that are the shining little lights that I'm sure that she is going to be talking about, Dr. Kathleen. But I have lots of questions for her. And I think the thing that that surprised me and Connor is the closest one uh, removed from school. And I said, they let you have cell phones at school now? You know, my head exploded. Sure. The fact that they don't even use their lockers anymore. Yeah. My head exploded twice on that show today. It was we, real wild. We couldn't bring, uh, you know, they just had come out with the smaller um, uh, calculators. Oh, sure. Know, couldn't have those. But then all of a sudden, if you were in math class, you know, that was replace the slide rule, I guess. Did you actually use the slide rule? I, I didn't because I wasn't smart enough to even know what it was. But it was. Yeah. It was like, it was in the classroom. Correct. Yes. Yeah. That's why that's why the abacus. It. Yeah. You know what's funny? <laughs> you always knew the smart kids in school because they had a slide rule hooked to the side of their belt and the slide rule would go down the side of their, their pants. <laughs> Hanging down. Like like a, a holster. Like keys. Yes. No. Yeah. no. I, I am hand to God. <laughs> and I used to swim naked in high school. Wow, that's in, a in the gym class. Someone texted in and said story. that that is a thing. Yeah, which to me in sounds Chicago. like that. You know, it's true. It's probably a good thing that that one went away. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I wonder if there's anything health wise why it's better to swim nude, or if it's healthier to swim with a swimsuit on. I it, would think it was a health thing, and it was about the suits. But then, why didn't the women do that? Why didn't the girls? <laughs> well, you guys, you didn't swim together. We did co-ed swimming. No, we did not swim together. No. Right. But that, the girls. That would have been, been nuts. You could see in, in our natatorium, you could see as you looked up to the very top of where the seats were, you could see shadows because the girls were looking through the cracks in the door. That's so fun. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and it's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. When you think about that happening today. But, you know, I lived it as a normal thing. So to me, it's like, well, what was the big deal? We That's what we did. 
forgot to ask my dad because somebody, uh, I think McGraw was talking about it as well. And somebody said Berkeley High School, they used to do that. And my dad went to Berkeley. Oh. You know, class uh, 68, 69. I'll have to ask my dad. Last time he had all his clothes off. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Andy Field from ABC is going to talk to us. We were talking yesterday. Congress votes to avert shutdown. Did it get through the Senate? Much more amenable. Uh, Did the House pass it? David Stokes. From the Show Me Institute, here's the question. Somebody, uh, Bill Igel, Senator Bill Igel yes. from uh, out in St. Charles. I like him a lot. He wants to do, he's running for governor, mm-hmm. but he wants to do away with the personal property tax, which I'm on board with. But when it comes to taxes, there's always a catch. Oh, of course. I Other mean, states don't have it, but people in Illinois will text us all the time and say, well, get ready to pay more for sure." X, Y, and Z. Yeah, so. you're stealing from Peter to pay Paul. I would say the only thing, and I would mention this to him, the thing that irritates me the most about personal property tax is it's so difficult to get anything done. You know, in Illinois, when I lived in Illinois, if you wanted to get your, your license plates, they'd send them to you in the mail. Yeah. You don't have to go to the DMV and bring 19 different, you know, whatever. I just had, like, four phone calls and a trip to St. Charles... Uh, a county assessor just to get my license plates renewed. It's and unreal. They were, well, did you pay personal property tax last year? Well, yeah, I did. Yeah. And they said, well, you're not in the system. I said, well, is it under my wife's name? Oh, yeah, she paid it. And I said, well, okay, there you go. And they go, but that wasn't you. Uh-huh. So I had to get a waiver, you know, and well, Josh, for the last so two you, years. You handle all these calls on speakerphone. So I've been sitting oh, there for yeah, this. I do. For, I, for I much listen of to speakerphone in the office, especially when it's, <laughs> it's one of these things where I'm on hold. And I, I get it, but, like, what do you want them to do? You didn't pay personal property tax. Your wife did. I am it's married. We live in the same household. Yeah, but you got to pay it. they got to see Josh Gilbert has paid personal property tax. I can file jointly. They'll take my the, – the IRS will take my money, file jointly, yeah, but that, when it comes to – I have to admit – under all these circumstances, I would agree with the DMV in your case. I mean, I would say, look, you know, it's not you. It's not you. But I had an interesting thing because, you know, remember they tell you to take two pieces of identification. So I go to the closest one to me, which is to pair the DMV. And I wait in line and I'm talking to the guy behind me and I say, you watch. I won't have the right stuff with me. And he said, well, you have your insurance card, you have your driver's license, you have identification, you have your this and that. And I said, look, it's all here, but there'll be something when I get up there. This is what I told him. So I'm portending this, you know, clash of anger with the DMV when I get up there. So I'm the next one in line. I go up and, I, you know, I'm here to renew my license plates. I need two forms of identification. First thing I do is... And it can't be your license. It's got to be a bill or something with your address on it. Uh, you, it can't be your old license, which actually has your Everything. picture on it. Exactly. <laughs> so I give her the, the two pieces of identification. One was a cable bill from Spectrum, and the other one was a gas bill. So she takes the gas bill, and she looks at it, and she puts it aside. And she takes the Spectrum bill, and she said, I'm sorry, I can't accept this. And I said, I'm sorry, what what do you mean you can't accept it? She said, um, the Spectrum, your address is on the front, but your name is on the back. Uh. I said, well, it's me. I mean, 
here's my license and right. and here's my other identification here and here's my passport and here's you yeah. know I've got a finger from one of my children and here's <laughs> you know here's a uh, hundred dollars if you just do this please and they would at at De Pere, they would not let me use the spectrum bill because my name was not connected to my address on the same page same page but not same page there was a page here and then you turn it over and it's on the back right right so i i looked at the guy that was behind me and i went i told you and i yelled some profanity i did <laughs> I, I i didn't care at that point who knew or whatever i zoomed out of there i went home i threw all the papers on the table i said i'm not doing this i don't care i don't need a license i'll just drive around illegally right and uh, my wife said, stop being a baby, you know. So when I cooled down that afternoon, I drove out to Baldwin. And I went to Baldwin, and I gave him the same stuff. I said, will you accept this? She said, sure. I said, well, they wouldn't over to pair. And she said, you're the fourth person that's oh come in gosh. today with that same thing. Why would anybody, regardless of whether, you know, the people, obviously working at the DMV probably is not fun. But why would anybody want to be that obstructionist? Correct. When someone's just trying to get their driver's license. And, and what okay, you, I don't look, look, lady, I don't want to be here either. Yeah. So let's finish this up. Yeah. And call it a day. <laughs> I, I said, you know, it, it, what, whose rule is this? She said, the government. I go, what yeah, government? Right. And she points to the wall behind me, and there's a bunch of stuff up there that, you know, rules of the DMV, and there's nothing on. I stood in line, you know, I know I irritated a lot of people behind me because. I stood there reading it, you know, and I said, there isn't anything up there that says the name has to be associated with the address on one page, <laughs> you know. So anyway, that was my experience at the DMV Where I, in De Pere. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this before we move on, uh, but it is uh, my all-time favorite story of how just obnoxious and awful they could be at the DMV. I go up there to get my license renewed, and this is the one in... Um, I was probably in Clayton, and they said, "No, no, we're going to need we're going to need your driver's license." And like you, I said, "I have all of this other stuff." I, they wanted my birth certificate. We're going to need your birth certificate. I'm like I have everything that you need. Everything is here, and you want me to get my birth certificate. You have my old ID in front of you, and you have in your computer. Your computer is a picture of me and my old ID as well. So there's no way I could have hacked your computer. We're gonna we're gonna need your birth. <laughs> it's ridiculous. There are so many. And again, this goes back to we're taking the DMV and we're talking about personal property taxes and all that. But um, you know, I, if we could eliminate personal property tax here, I would be thrilled mm -hmm. to be able to uh, make it up some other way. Whether we pay more for groceries, uh, uh, you know, taxes it's on groceries come from somewhere. It's got to come from somewhere. You know, again, stealing from Peter to pay Paul. But if you can just get away from the paperwork, the yes. the insanity. Mm. This state is is just. I just think they had extra paper here, and they said we need to print a bunch of stuff and make it very confusing for anybody living here. Yeah, the, the pa big paper lobby. Yeah. Um, if but you explain, if you ask me to explain how the whole personal property tax thing works and how you do what you do with it, I couldn't do it. And yeah. I've lived here for forty-four years. But I, uh, he told he this guy tells me that he needs my birth certificate, so I go to St. Louis County. And I go down into the basement, and I say, you know, if if this is what they want just for me to renew my license, 
what am I going to need to get my birth certificate? I walk in, I say, well, I need my birth certificate. What do I need? And then the guy goes, great, what's your name? <laughs> no. And I told him, what's your birthday? And I told him, and he goes, be right back. Really? I'm like, do you want to see my ID? He's like, nah. he's like yeah, well, <laughs> might as well. All right, yeah, let's do You know, yeah. and it's like, right. for crying out loud. Um, but uh, that's on the show today and in the 5 o'clock hour, top 5 5. News from around the room. I got a I got a question for you guys. Before yes, we go to apparently Captain Paul's birthday today. Traffic. It's Captain D's too. Yeah. Um, last night, mm-hmm. I spent my evening going through a drawer in my kitchen because we couldn't. Finally, got to the point where you try to close the drawer and it and it sticks because it's stuff <laughs> in the back. Going through. Yeah. If I asked you right now. If I ever gave you an autographed picture. Where is the instruction manual to your oven? Do you have it? Yes. The fridge, the microwave. Yes. You know, And why do we keep these things? I know. It is When funny. have you ever broken that out? It reminds me, I think it's the progressive commercials where the guy says, you know, uh, Dr. being Rick. your parents. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And the guy is saving, he saves like the microwave. He said, do you own any of these appliances? No. Yeah. But he has a whole wad of. Yeah, there's a new one where he's got like this crown molding. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, I might exactly. use it. Like, it's like, no, you won't. We, no. Do, we all do that, you know how many though. wood scraps I have in my garage? I know, right? I'm not going out there and using those for anything. I know. But kindling, I, kindling. I made a list. I made a list. I have the fridge. I have the oven. Mm-hmm. I have the microwave. Uh, I have an oven that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Who knows what landfill that's in. Uh, I have a... Uh, Manual for a lawnmower that was the old homeowners. Like, how did that get mixed in there? You know, <laughs> now I got this guy's manuals too. You should sell them on eBay. Somebody needs that manual. But every, you know, everything's I, online these days. I bought an iPad running up to Christmas. Yeah, and I, the box is in a different drawer. Why am I keeping the box? To the iPad. You know, I keep the box. The phone. Yeah, I you keep, get a new phone. You oh, I let me just keep the box. You know why? Because. I, I keep them because that's something, those electronics, when you sell them, if you, you know, hey, it has original box, people go, oh, this guy must have taken care of it. So that's the only reason. I, I've got my, you know, desktop, you know, my iMac from 2012. You still got the box for still that? Still have the box. Is anything in the box, like Christmas decorations? No, it's just sitting up on the... Uh, sitting sitting up on the shelf. Yeah. Why do we hang on to these things? I would be very curious. 84126 Woods Basement Systems text line. If you went through that drawer in the kitchen, and is it in the kitchen, or do you have a filing cabinet somewhere no, that has no, all No, well, stuff it in was it? in the kitchen, and then my wife. Yes. See? Yeah, my yes. wife got involved, and <laughs> I know all the manuals somebody wrote on the Woods Basement Systems text line that all manuals are online. Somebody else said, uh, uh, move to Illinois, no personal property tax, and the DMV is in the union they don't care. I don't know what that means. The DMV oh, is in the union. If they're uh, they're unionized. Oh, I see. Oh, the DMV is in, it was a capital U. So that's that's what threw me off. The, team, the Teamsters. Yeah, got they'll it. take anything. I got like my plates the union online. Army. Yeah, yeah that's, really is that what it is? Union. Is that what it is? Um, yeah, a lot of uh, props to Illinois folks. And then 
Um, lots of whining about the DMV. Somebody said, just tell the cops you're not driving, you're traveling, like on Live PD. I wa- Do you ever watch Live PD? No, yeah. no, no, no. Is that- it's fun. I mean, it's, yeah, I like cop shows. Uh, someone on the text line, when you need a good box, yep. it's always there. Yeah, you it's always, always have there. a good box. Shoe boxes. Why can I not throw these away? Because am I becoming my parents? Someday you may become the Secretary of State in Illinois and need it to put cash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, remember those New Balance I bought, honey? (laughs) Don't when the feds show up. (laughs) Yeah, right. Flush everything in there down the toilet. (laughs) It is three twenty nine. Happy birthday to Captain Paul Kopsky. And I heard I heard you talking to John and Julie. A very uh, a very. I was going to say what. So we on this show, Heidi's not here. She's off this week. She's on vacation. Uh, she just sent me some vacation photos. And, uh, I mean, Mexico looks great, right? Right about this time of year. <laughs> yes. Um, Anywhere but here. Yeah. But uh, we, she, both of her parents are educators. Both of my parents are educators. And we are big on the topic. And even when it comes to foregoing college and, and sending your kid to a trade school, learning a trade, we're big on all of it. So when I saw this book that was out uh, now, Dr. Kathleen Corley wrote a book, The Magical Place We Call School, Creating a Safe Space for Learning and Happiness in a Challenging World. Challenging doesn't even begin to describe it. We talked about Uvalde and that report that had just come out. School shootings are so prevalent now that we can't even keep them together. I heard uh, the girls talking this morning um, Wendy and Jennifer, they mentioned, you know, which school shooting was it when this happened? And it's like, it's just so sad, the fact that we have to even say that. But now politics is a thing. And you look at what's going on in Florida with the Don't Say Gay bill and everybody's trying to ban books out in Wentzville here in town. And uh, it's just it just seems like the worst time ever to want to be a school principal. And uh, Dr. Corley, thanks for joining the show. And I guess the first question I have for you is, what is the biggest challenge, uh, the subtitle of the book, In a Challenging World, what is the biggest challenge you see for our schools these days? Uh, Thank you, first of all. Uh, Biggest challenge, that would be, it's going to differ because of different funding levels around uh, different states and different counties, but probably the biggest challenge is to get everyone who needs to be involved in schools involved in schools. That is, the title talks about the magic. There's all kinds of magic that happens in schools, but does everybody know about it? Do you know how good the school is down the street from you, your local public school? It seems as though some of the people who want to control what happens in schools are not as well versed in what actually happens there as they should be. Yeah, I I have to say, as a parent of uh, six kids going through school, uh, I was probably mm, distant from the school and what was happening with my kids. Of course, you know, you ask them over the dinner table, you know, how was school today? What did you learn? All those things. But what was actually going on and what my kids were telling me could be two completely different things. 
But there seems to be, Doctor, a, a, some kind of erosion happening in our schools today with respect for the teachers, um, perhaps, um, you know, d- teachers themselves, uh, maybe qualifying, you know, having great educators in schools. You know, how do we make sure that our kids are getting, and, and of course, in the inner city, it's more difficult to get people to yeah. teach there. How do we get qualified teachers, good teachers, and uh, get them paid well? Uh, Where do we start with that? I agree with you on the lack of respect from students at times, uh, but it's worse with some parents because they're dead set against you pointing out something, some of them, something that their children have done wrong. Well, then you know where that, that comes from comes from the home exactly Mm -hmm. oh sure sure and sometimes we need a word of prayer with the parents about checking their attitudes Uh, and that's where uh, a principal comes in to make sure that he or she is supporting their teachers the support might even be more important than the money the money is necessary to live if you don't have a living wage obviously you 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 can't live where you wish to live, even if it's a, a rather modest sort of stretch for you. So once there's a, a basic level of, of income, then both of those things are important. But if a teacher doesn't have support, and a, princi- a teacher doesn't have support from the principal, principals don't have support from the superintendent, superintendent doesn't have support from the school board, it's difficult and you name some of the challenges you have many groups who want to have something to say about how things should be run and ever since covid especially during covid and then somewhat after it's amazing the chasm between what some people think should happen and what other people think should happen like the whole we're wearing masks we're not wearing masks uh you better not ask my kid to wear a mask all the kids need to wear masks. They're, they're completely at other ends of the spectrum. In other words, it's really hard to make everybody happy or even compliant in some circumstances. Well, Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's talk about COVID. Uh, in all your years of being in and around the schools, uh, do you have to be – what is the, the biggest benefit of being there in person? Because uh, I know that a lot of kids – had to kind of zoom into classes, and and I don't even want to begin to think about how difficult that was for both the teachers and the kids. But in your book, you talk a lot about uh, the hands-on approach. You can't get a hands-on approach or or really into it with with the kids if they're not even in the building. Sure. It was much more difficult for teachers – to get engagement from all their students when their students were spending their time either as um, hitchhikers uh, in their education, just kind of complacent, or actively trying not to be a part of things. So we had a whole team of people. If a teacher sent a a message to one, one of the members on the team to say, I'm missing three students, can you track them down? That's what we did to try to figure out where students were. And the parents go, oh, he's on. Yeah, he's on. Are you in the same place that, that he is right now? <laughs> uh, well, no, but, 
but I mean, he's on. He's 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 he's, de- he's definitely on. Well, he, well he's definitely know. not. Yeah. He's definitely not right. And then the child who made a little video of himself moving just a little bit and looking like he was attending. Oh, for crying out loud! And, Is that real? Uh, yeah. Did mm-hmm. that really happen? That sounds like a like yes. Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> well. Um, you'd be surprised how motivated some students could be to not do what they're supposed to do. And there, there's a thing we, we talk about in, in, in teaching called proximity control, and that's obviously but your st- how close are you standing to a particular child. And there's, there's, there are always a couple that you need to be right there to make sure they're attending to what they're doing. Well, you, uh, zero proximity control. You, we did have, uh, we still do have technology that helps us uh, learn if a child is on what screen he's on. So every screen comes up, every mini screen of every child comes up on the teacher's computer to see what everyone's doing. So a teacher plugs into one and goes, okay, he's playing games. Swell. And then Jonathan, you, you type in Jonathan, get back online. Oh, oh, she figured it out. Yes, she did. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you're riding shotgun instead of just teaching. Yes. Which is pretty ridiculous. And then some of the parents, uh, there, there was a girl who, um, this computer doesn't work. Mom, this computer doesn't work. And then she'd go off about this computer is, is garbage. So she'd bring it up to school, and we would find out that the child, there's a setting that you can use to make the volume go to zero that has nothing to do with what shows on the screen. And that's what the child had done. And we, oh, look, there's an accident. See, see she made the da-da-da-da. Okay, so we give it back to her. She goes home. Three times we did this with three different computers. And mom's saying, you're giving us a garbage computer. No, ma'am, yeah. your child is sabotaging things. Well, I'm not a big fan of the remote learning. I mean, it's it, it, it takes a, a backseat to actually being in the classroom. Uh, but uh, let's step sure. back and, and tell everybody we're talking to Dr. Kathleen Corley. The book is called The Magical Place We Call School, and there is hope for our, our institutions. I mean, I can remember uh, in fifth grade, Mrs. Myers would, uh, if you were goofing around, she'd grab your ear. And, you know, that really hurts when you're tugging down on somebody's lobe. Uh, Mr. McCabe <laughs> yes, in third grade would throw chalk at us. He was left-handed. It was it came out of nowhere, it seemed. Yeah. Um, and and we, we all got through school pretty darn well, but... Um, you know, we can't, uh, teachers can't do those things these days, but, nope. you know, uh, let me ask you, Dr. Kathleen Corley, you are an educator, you are a principal and, uh, you certainly understand the school system, the trials and tribulations of, of going to school these days. Are there wholesale changes needed to our educational, um, uh, is there an, maybe, a uh, an, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, do we need to overhaul our our system of teaching to bring us in line with what kids are learning across the globe our curriculum varies from place to place so it would be hard for me to make one sweeping statement about what standards are we teaching nationwide they are pretty similar like third graders are going to learn particular things. Generally speaking, their state's history. Third graders are going to, to learn that. That doesn't happen in fourth grade. In fourth grade, it's American history. If we just take that, 
once we have that curriculum, when we know we're teaching state history, South Carolina for us, um, we're going to teach that in third grade. There are standards that are written that are shared with everybody. You can get them on any website for State Department of Education anywhere. What are the state standards for South Carolina? What are the state standards for New York, et cetera, et cetera? We can compare those and see how rigorous they are, and they will differ from place to place. And a bunch of people sat around a bunch of tables arguing about what the standards would be. And in some cases, especially when it comes to social sciences and history, they argued about what the content would be and how it would be written. And we're seeing a whole lot of that now. We're not going to take, we're not, we don't want the curriculum from this company because there is a, there is a left slant to it. No, we don't want it from this one because there is a right slant to it. And it depends on what your, what the politics is. Uh, is. Is it a red state or a blue state? Because it's going to get teetered one way or another. That can sort of sometimes, not always, get in the way of what is being taught and how rigorous it is. I keep using that word because we can, we can do pablum, we can do easy standards for everybody, but we're not advancing the students and we're probably boring them besides. So it has to be enough of a challenge that will get the students' interest and that we can still teach to a variety of students, even some who have special needs, some who don't speak English, or any other uh, challenge that they might have. So it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of uh, juggling a lot of balls at the same time, and we are the, um, I don't want to say minions, but we are the receivers of whatever has been decided by people three or four levels above us. And so part of it is the bureaucracy is what I'm going to say. Yeah, with. sure. Yeah. Uh, we just got done talking about bureaucracy at the DMV, and I know that we don't have a lot of time left, and this is uh, terrible to ask you to try to solve bullying in, in three minutes, but can you share a, an anecdote maybe that, that you've had of, of what might work when it comes to bullying at the school with some of our uh, younger kids? A lot of times bullying happens when somebody misinterprets somebody else's actions or words. And kids today are not so good at saying, hey, why'd you do that? Or I don't like it when you do that. And we have to teach them to say those things. They're much uh, more apt to send a text if they're older, and it will be flaming because we all know keyboard warriors and they're different in person. Or there is something physical that happens. Why did you hit him? He said something that I didn't like. Okay, what could you have done instead? I don't know. Well, okay, let's unpack this. And we have to kind of start from the beginning because maybe in the household you just smack somebody when you don't like what they're saying. And maybe it's okay for you to smack your brother. I mean, my brother did it to me a lot. But we didn't go to school and do that because there was a familiarity with our relatives and such. And if I were to see my brother at school, I wasn't going to do anything physical to him. I wouldn't do anything negative to him at all. But they, it's hard for children to separate those kinds of things. So basically what we need to do is get at the root causes and get to them early. 
because that's when you learn to get along with people. Yeah. You just have to. Uh, Dr. Dr. Corley, we we do appreciate you being with us. We're a little short on time. I know that uh, your book, once again, called The Magical Place We Call School, uh, in it, according to, uh, you know, all the things we've read about it, is uh, something uh, extraordinary that occurs in the classrooms all across this country. And you can read about those stories and some of those anecdotes and and, um, and find some shining light there. we got a lot of work to do, of course, but we appreciate your being on the show and opening the topic here. And uh, it's always food for thought for us, so we hope we can talk to you again. And good luck with the, the book itself. An educator, you are a principal, and uh, you certainly understand the school system, the trials and tribulations of of going to school these days. Are there wholesale changes needed to our educational? Um, uh, is there an, maybe a, uh, an, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, do we need to overhaul our, our system of teaching to bring us in line with what kids are learning across the globe? Our curriculum varies from place to place. So it would be hard for me to make one sweeping statement about what standards are we teaching nationwide. They are pretty similar. Like third graders are going to learn particular things. Generally speaking, their state's history. Third graders are going to to learn that. That doesn't happen in fourth grade. In fourth grade, it's American history. If we just take that, once we have that curriculum, when we know we're teaching state history, South Carolina for us, Uh, We're going to teach that in third grade. There are standards that are written that are shared with everybody. You can get them on any website for State Department of Education anywhere. What are the state standards for South Carolina? What are the state standards for New York, et cetera, et cetera? We can compare those and see how rigorous they are, and they will differ from place to place. And a bunch of people sat around a bunch of tables arguing about what the standards would be. And in some cases, especially when it comes to social sciences and history, they argued about what the content would be and how it would be written. And we're seeing a whole lot of that now. We're not going to take, we don't want the curriculum from this company because there there is a left slant to it. No, we don't want it from this one because there is a right slant to it. And it depends on what your what the politics is, uh, is, is it a red state or a blue state? Because it's going to get teetered one way or another. That can sort of sometimes, not always, get in the way of what is being taught and how rigorous it is. I keep using that word because we can, we can do pablum. We can do easy standards for everybody, but we're not advancing the students, and we're probably boring them besides. So it has to be enough of a challenge that will get the students' interest and that we can still teach to a variety of students, even some who have special needs, some who don't speak English, or any other uh, challenge that they might have. So it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of uh, juggling a lot of balls at the same time, and we are the, um, I don't want to say minions, but we are the receivers of whatever has been decided by people three or four levels above us. 
And so part of it is the bureaucracy is what I'm going Yeah, for. sure. Yeah. Uh, we just got done talking about bureaucracy at the DMV. And I know that we don't have a lot of time left, and this is uh, terrible to ask you to try to solve bullying in, in three minutes. But can you share a, an anecdote maybe that, that you've had of, of what might work when it comes to bullying at the school with some of our uh, younger kids? A lot of times bullying happens when somebody misinterprets somebody else's actions or words. And kids today are not so good at saying, hey, why'd you do that? Or I don't like it when you do that. And we have to teach them to say those things. They're much uh, more apt to send a text if they're older, and it will be flaming because we all know keyboard warriors and they're different in person. Or there is something physical that happens. Why did you hit him? He said something that I didn't like. Okay. What could you have done instead? I don't know. Well, okay, let's unpack this. And we have to kind of start from the beginning because maybe in the household you just smack somebody when you don't like what they're saying. And maybe it's okay for you to smack your brother. I mean, my brother did it to me a lot. But we didn't go to school and do that because there was a familiarity with our relatives and such. And if I were to see my brother at school, I wasn't going to do anything physical to him. I wouldn't do anything negative to him at all. But they, it's hard for children to separate those kinds of things. So basically what we need to do is get at the root causes and get to them early because that's when you learn to get along with people. Yeah. You just have to. Uh, Dr. Dr. Corley, we we do appreciate you being with us. We're a little short on time. I know that uh, your book, once again, called The Magical Place We Call School, uh, in it, according to, uh, you know, all the things we've read about it, is uh, something uh, extraordinary that occurs in the classrooms all across this country. And you can read about those stories and some of those anecdotes and and, um and find some shining light there. We got a lot of work to do, of course, but we appreciate your being on the show and opening the topic here. And uh, it's always food for thought for us. So we hope we can talk to you again and good luck with the, the book itself. You know, ever since this is one of my favorite Tom Petty songs, but ever since Heidi said something, she's obsessed with that uh, uh, silence of the lambs. This is the song she was singing in the in the beginning of the movie when she got kidnapped by the you know Buffalo Bill. So now ever put since, the lotion in the basket. Exactly. Now every yeah. time I hear it, all I could think of is you know him putting on lipstick in that you know you know what scene I'm talking. Yes, about. Yes, I do. Andy Field, by the way, from uh, ABC News. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> hello, Clarice. How are you guys? <laughs> I'd like a bottle of Chianti and a some fava beans. Yeah, well, let's move Chianti. from... I haven't had Chianti since I was in high school. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. Oh. It's well, off top, I'm guessing. Back in the day, you guys could that, drink... Remember Boone's Farm apple wine? Do I remember it? Do you remember Boone's Farm strawberry wine? Oh, well, no, no, that was that was that was that wasn't badly enough for me. I had to have the regular stuff. You don't, all right. Well, when we're through with you, Andy, I'm going to tell a story on the air about Boone's Farm. It's... 
It really, truly happened. Do they still but, make that? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, I mean, all right, let's talk for two minutes, and the guy can tell his story. Andy, they voted. Have we averted a government shutdown? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little confused. I'm actually looking at C-SPAN right now. Uh, they, they, they always have to do this kind of Texas two-step to get something to vote. Uh, the first vote was, we want to just throw this thing out, which was the Senate voting to keep the government open. And almost half the Republicans voted against it, basically saying, no, 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 we want to shut it down, mm. or at least shut part of it down. But, of course, there were enough Democrats uh, to vote to make it go to the next thing. And I think at the moment right now they are voting uh, on the actual uh, short-term funding bill. Oh, no, it did. Okay, I'm sorry. Forget, for, forget all what I just said here. It says, House passes short-term funding bill 314 to 108. That 108 was all Republicans. And remember, Republicans are in the majority in the House. So even though the Republicans have a majority, it took a majority of Democrats to keep the short-term funding bill open and keep the government open. So we're going to see this all year long. The Republicans have such a small majority, and there are such a large number of Republicans that don't want to go along with the rest of the Republicans. They can pass virtually nothing without the Democrats in the, in the House. Right. And I've been saying this whole time, Andy, just get something done. Go across the aisle and work with your fellow Democrats and get stuff done. But that that's just not how Congress works these days. That That's well, insane. Well, you can't do that when, when one side refuses to compromise on anything. And that is pretty much the stand of the Freedom Caucus. Now, we've also heard... Uh, in unguarded moments from a number of Republicans who just say, we're not going to do anything that's going to help the Democrats or Joe Biden in the election year. And that includes even if they got what they wanted on the border bill that would fix things on the border, there were people in the Republican Party who said, we're not going to vote for that. I know we want it, but we're not going to vote for it because it's going to help Joe Biden in an election year. We're not going to do that. Oh, my. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just another impasse. But, it, it, I mean, Andy, the last few times that we have uh, been talking about a government shutdown, uh, we've managed to work our way through it. It it probably will happen again this time. We have 30, what, 32 hours, something like that, 34 hours? Oh, no, it's done. I I was mistaken. I I just couldn't figure out which part of the bill they were voting on. Oh, got it. Okay. But it it kicks the can until March. March, beginning of March. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll see you Uh, in March. Yeah, we'll talk about this again in a few months. Oh, oh, listen, this sequel is is a hit. (laughs) (laughs) it's got more sequels than rocky Uh, i mean this is this is this is this is like uh what's that movie uh the the car movie oh Oh, fast and furious Furious. Furious. yeah Yeah. fast and furious i mean we're on fast and furious 48 in the house this is more like slow and infuriating (laughs) exactly Uh, uh, so do you have enough time? We only have 30 nah, seconds. I don't have enough time. Don't Andy, have time. listen, thanks so much for the update. Sorry about the confusion. Yeah. And, uh, and we owe you a bottle of booze. I, I better, I'm going to have to tune in now and just hear the Boone's Farm. Uh, oh, it's a good <laughs> one. It's a good one and and true as can be. So we'll uh, we'll talk about a few here on uh, the All Big right, 550. Guys, thanks here. so much. Okay, Andy. Uh, Andy Field on the uh, Big 550. Uh, we've got a, a couple more days. I'm here uh, tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday. In our headlines on a Thursday, January 18th. Can you believe it's Thursday already? 
we had Monday off, which is fantastic. Time flies when you start on a Wednesday. That's true. Uh, and when you start on a Tuesday as well. That's when I got started. Uh, but headlines this Thursday, January 18th. Guy, the cost of Metrolink expansion in St. Louis is now predicted to be $1.1 billion. Where are we expanding? This is a north-south line that runs from uh, up Jefferson, and it is supposed to go from Chippewa to the NGA National Geospatial oh, sure. yeah. Agency. That's the north-south line, and the people in charge by state CEOs said... That's pretty high price to pay, and the government probably won't chip in 50 to 60%. That's what they're shooting for, is uh, the government to chip in some funds that are already earmarked for on the uh, transportation bill. They said the government probably won't chip in unless it's closer to 850 or $800 million. So the question is, do we need a north-south Metrolink line with... An additional route that would go up through North County as well. Yeah. Do we need it? Is it feasible? And can we get it in budget right now? It looks like it's out of budget. And they'll have to make some cuts. So They'll make some cuts, but they also will have to hire more consultants. Consultants and then more officers when the oh, line opens. Yeah, you know, there's always that. Uh, I, I, You know, I, I don't get stuff sometimes, and one of the things in my life that I just plain don't get, and you see more and more of this, are teachers, and I know we just talked to uh, Dr. Corley about her book. Uh, this just happens to, you know, not be associated with it, so don't take this the wrong way. Uh, a former Kentucky teacher's aide uh, admitted that she had sex with numerous teenage boys while working at an elementary school, which begs the question, why are teenagers in an elementary school? Okay, that's one thing. Now, it is Kentucky, so I give you that. Uh, but Lexington, it's Lexington, K- Kentucky, and, and th- no relation to the broadcaster here. Ellen Phillips, who's 38 years old, was charged in state course, court. Then she was charged federally. She would go through Snapchat and Facebook, and she'd text these kids. Um, she faces a minimum of 10 years behind prison to a maximum of life in prison. Two things that come to mind. One, and by the way, all these women that I see, the teachers, and you, this happens like on a weekly basis where you see a picture of a teacher that has been caught in this kind of thing. First of all, kids will talk, A, B, you're a teacher. This is, you know, don't you get it? This is illegal. You may be cheating on your husband if you're married. This woman was. A lot of them have kids. Um, And the other question that is interesting to me is why is it that men pedophiles, they'll get a prison sentence and treatment and, 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 you know, or or treated by other inmates. Uh, Women pedophiles, I don't know. There seems to be a gender Equality, inequality here. I don't know. And there's always the the joke, and how come there wasn't a teacher like that when I was in high yeah, school? Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is hard to wrap my head around. But these women, like you just called them, these women are pedophiles. They are. You're, you're talking 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. Sometimes younger than that. Yeah. Did you? There's a movie out there. It was just it's out on the award circuit. Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. It's called May December, and it's a, a about a Mary Kay Letourneau type uh, 
relationship. Remember that name? Th- that worked out. Billy Fulav. Yeah. Billy yes. something. Yeah. And they ended up together. I think they might have they had did. They had children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got divorced. She just was... she just passed away, I believe. She did. I believe so. Uh, well, it's a movie about that. Uh, and we watched it over the weekend. And it's an interesting look. If at you're the an educator, uh, I mean, just look at these stories. It never works out. I don't care how... <laughs> how... Well, you, number one... Don't do it because it's illegal. But number two, you're going to get caught. Right. I shouldn't say it never works out. We just talked about Mary Kay Letourneau. Uh, if you watch this movie, you know, the way they portrayed the the boy in it as a grown adult, <laughs> there's some yeah. weird psychological things going yeah. on there. Um, so in lighter news, Craft Singles, for the first time in nearly a decade, is offering... New flavored sliced cheeses. Jesus. Listen to this. <laughs> Jalapeno, craft singles, garlic and herb. Okay, I would go with that. Garlic and herb. Okay. Caramelized onion cheese. Have you ever had this? They've got a deli down the street here yeah. in mm-hmm. Westport. Uh, it's called Vivolos. Great Italian family runs it. They have caramelized onion cheese, and it is one of the best things I've ever... I don't even like onions. But but can I say one thing? That's real cheese. The craft is not. Well... It's processed. I got it. I'll tell you this. A slice of American cheese, I'll get that on my sandwich probably 90% of the time over anything else. I like it on a hamburger once in a while. I'm a Swiss guy, really. I'll go to the or Mr. Gouda. Good Sense, and they'll yeah. say, "What cheese do you want?" And I'll say, "Give me the, give me American, old fashioned." Maybe mm. I'm just still eight years old at heart. Throw Limburger at him, oh. Lim Limburger. <laughs> I'll take some Limburger. I've had Roquefort, which is yeah. the king of cheeses, but it's a very stinky cheese. It's expensive. I've never seen Limburger, like even at the cheese store. It's it is it's a stinky cheese. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's the it's the joke cheese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever seen it. Have you ever had it? No, I've never my mom had it. She used to eat it all the time and oh. she'd say, "Here, try some." I couldn't get it past my olfactory senses. My dad would eat Braunschweiger. Oh yeah, well my mom served that as well. Oh. I didn't realize what it was until I realized what it was. <laughs> and I couldn't take it. Uh this is kind of like um Guys dream about this stuff. At least I think so. Now, the TCU women's basketball team, women's basketball team, they forfeited a couple of games because they didn't have enough players on the team. And apparently, uh, the they're the Horned Frogs, by the way. They, they got their best start in program history. But they, and by the way, they have this gal, uh, um, Madison Connor. How about that, Connor? Madison Connor. And she apparently is one of the best long-range shooters in, in uh, the NCAA. At any rate, um, they uh, have automatically been given these Big 12 losses for games against K-State and Iowa State because they don't have enough uh, players on the team. So they're having um, an open tryout for anybody at the university. This is a major conference. Major. The yes. Big 12. Yes. What happened? So uh, they... 
Students got injured, so they have six scholarship uh, athletes. Dysentery, a round of dysentery. Some were injured. Some left the uh, squad with, uh, you know, I guess they went to the portal or whatever they did. Anyway, they, they, they don't have enough players, so they're asking. This is like, for me, it's like I'm a, a, a passenger on an airplane and they make the announcement. Does anyone know how to fly an airplane? <laughs> you know, right? I mean, you got an opportunity here to become right. a, a basketball player on a major college team. It's kind of a, I don't know, it's sort of cool. But it's a difference between men and women because guys think, you know, ah, I could do that. And yeah, women are women like, I don't are, know. Yes, a lot more sensible. Right. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of guys that can play basketball, not well, but can play. And, and on the other hand, there are a lot of women that just have never played a sport, you know. And so, well, I, I don't want to make it seem sexist, but you know what I'm saying. Um, who is who's that legendary? Is it Tom Izzo? Somebody well, just Michi- Michigan State, Michigan State. Somebody just put their kid in a game for the first time. And the kid's been a walk on for the last four or five years. You know, what with COVID and everything. Sure. And av- and they're a senior now, and they put their kid in for the, you know, they're blowing somebody out. Right. And they finally got their first points in a game. And I'm thinking to myself. Place goes nuts. Yeah, play- that's They love the to- underdog. Why did they let the kid join the team? Well, they need they need guys for practice. Sure. So, they, But the coach's son. Do you want to know what's ridiculous gets, in gets college basketball? Guy. It's not the, the, the players that don't play that go on the team. It's the number of coaches that are on a team. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yes. It's like 11 guys. It's more than the players. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to try to find out who this a legendary coach's uh, son finally got some points in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, we've been going a long time. The music, the music ran, out. ran out. The music that you hate. <laughs> Tomorrow, <laughs> you know Thank what? God it's out. Tomorrow, yes. you find a good music bed I will. for the headline segment. And then you can ask your, your listeners... Which you know. did you like better? Right. <laughs> and he comes back and there's new music. Uh, we had an informal vote. It's Thursday, January 18th. Those are our headlines. We'll be back right after this. So earlier in the show, you had mentioned Boone's Farm with Andy Field from ABC. And yeah. you guys both yeah. had uh, this kind of old guy moment where you're all <laughs> oh remember the apple flavor oh what about strawberry i'm not a drinker no you're not i'm not a drinker right. and i never have been really i, I just I, I i never liked the taste of beer except if it's a super hot day and i'm really thirsty beer tastes great to me but as a beer drinker i'll be the first to admit that uh, objectively beer tastes terrible i i just i don't get it i, yeah, I don't know how germans do it right <laughs> you know, so uh, I was probably this was maybe my 24th birthday. And uh, I told you I worked at a cable station. I did the news at six and I did the bingo at uh, at nine o'clock at night. Cable bingo. Great show. Got high ratings. Anyway, that didn't even get a laugh. So. My girlfriend throws a surprise party for me at, you know, we're going out to dinner. And she says, oh, I forgot something back at the apartment. And ladies, if you ever want to get your guy, even if he doesn't want to go back to the apartment, if you ever want to get him there, 
use this tactic because it worked with me. It's a feminine thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, because oh, you can't say no to that, right? Okay. Oh, All right. All right. So we go back to the apartment, and there's 30 people there. Happy birthday. Surprise. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Lots of Boone's Farm. That was the, you know, the hit wine of the day. Well, that's the affordable wine for a college student, right? Now, I didn't really drink Boone's Farm. Never had any. And there were some Boone's Farm apple and Boone's Farm strawberry. Well, I like strawberries. So I started to drink, and I had a, a bottle of this wine, and I must have had maybe half or three-quarters of the bottle. I don't know. Now, for a person who doesn't drink, that's a lot of wine. Mm-hmm. Party broke up because I had to be back to do uh, the news. And just about the time I walked in, I was doing the weather, actually, to the studio, I I was buzzed. I mean, bad. I don't know what I wrote up on the board. It's, the, you know, back in the day, we had no, you know, graphics and all the stuff they have today. I actually had to write stuff up on the board. It was this the glass board with a dry erase thing. And I had to draw all the cold fronts and the warm fronts and all that <laughs> stuff. And it got worse and worse and worse. And I can remember the introduction to, you know, to the news was, it's time for Channel 6 News, Las Cruces. This is Las Cruces, New Mexico. News with Michael Gein. And they do a zoom on him. Sports with Ben No. Weather with Guy Phillips. And I am like, I can't even stand. I'm leaning, <laughs> you know, the, the, the desk starts rolling out toward the camera because I'm leaning on it so hard. Uh, half the shirt's untucked. Oh, my God. When they finally <laughs> threw it to me at about quarter after 10, every minute that went by, it got five times worse. And I knew it. And so I said to myself, and I think this is what people who are inebriated do, I must enunciate and no one will know. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I said, if I just enunciate. So they say, okay, let's go over to uh, the weather map uh, and Guy Phillips for tonight's weather. And I'm about as glassy-eyed as I can be. And we had just come out of a, a tire ad. It was a commercial for tires. And the first thing I said was, why are those tires so expensive? <laughs> you know, which, which, you know, everybody goes. And I could hear people laughing in the booth. Now, when you turn a TV station over to young people, this is what happens. You know, rather than having somebody come out and fetch me and get me off the set. It's funny to them. Yeah. It's funny. So they let me stay out there. And I can remember trying to say blustery, moisture-laden winds. Oh, no. Through the Rocky Mountains. Blustery, moisture-laden winds. (laughs) And I'm using this pointer with a little rubber tip on it, you know. It looks like something you'd have in school, you know. And I'm all over the place, and I have no idea what I'm... But as they are laughing, I'm getting angry. And so I start 
getting kind of snappy with, you know, it's San Diego. You know, <laughs> it, it was the worst newscast, weathercast. So I finished the general, the guy that owned the place. He was the general manager, but he also owned the, the TV station. Was calling, apparently, and nobody was answering the phone. The next day, and luckily, on most every job I've ever had, I'm, I'm pretty well liked in the station. I, I just, I, you know, I ingratiate myself somehow, and, you know, so I'm not going to get fired, which is a total fireable offense. I mean, I should have been, you know, but I guess the guy knew that I also did cable bingo, and, you know, I, I was bringing in revenue. Right. We want to throw you out so bad, but cable bingo. Exactly. <laughs> Two days later, I opened the door to my Volkswagen Beetle, and about a hundred bottles of empty Boone's Farm wines in different varieties spill out of there. Now I'm sure it had to be the general manager telling somebody to you gather all these bottles of wine and put them in his car. Lesson learned, but that was the that was the worst night of my life. And I, truthfully, after that, I did I didn't drive home. My girlfriend was there. And she drove me home. I didn't even know what I had done mm-hmm. the next day because I didn't, you know, I wasn't a drinker. And I woke up and I go, you know, what's, you know, I, we didn't have text messages or anything. There's no way I, you know, and then I show up at the at the TV station. And it's like, ooh, ooh, you bad. <laughs> you know, what did I do? But I wish I had had back in the day. They didn't, you know, videotape anything. It wasn't like we could keep it. It wasn't like something that would today be funny and be on, you know, America's Funniest People or whatever the heck it was. But it was awful. Mm. And it was five straight minutes of drunkenness on Cable 6 in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Blustery, moisture-laden. I remember that phrase, trying to get it out and enunciate it. I don't think I would even attempt that sober. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that the, you know... that the people that are watching knew that there were blustery, moisture-laden winds coming in from Denver. There's a state senator from St. Charles County, I believe. He's uh, Weldon Springs. He, he's McGraw. Weldon Spring. Weldon There's Spring. There's no S. He's McGraw's state senator. He is? And uh, he's running for governor. Get him I, locked up. Not I, this guy, but McGraw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His name is Bill Eigel, and he's suggesting for the second time, let's do away with personal property tax. And, Guy, it's one of those things that I've never understood. I paid sales tax on it when I bought it. Why do I have to keep paying taxes on it every single year? But what happens if it does end up going away or getting cut? Where where does that money come from? Does it just disappear? I wanted to get to the bottom of it, so we asked David Stokes from the Show Me Institute, director of municipal policy. He is a self-described nerd when it comes to talking about this stuff. David, welcome to the show. Guys, Guy, uh, Josh, great to be on the air with you. You guys know I love coming on the Big 550 whenever I can. Well, we're happy to have you here. So let's talk about uh, personal property taxes. Why is it that Missouri has it? Uh, Illinois doesn't. So many other states don't. Where, and where is the um, where is the line uh, that, that when we cross over and, and not have it? Where do we 
pay for that because it's going to come from someplace. Uh, absolutely. So let's start at the beginning. Missouri is the exception. Most most states do not tax personal property as Missouri does. Uh, Virginia and Kentucky are two other states that do, probably the most similar states with us in this regard. But we are the exception. We, we have tax, more teeth. Right. We tax, right. We tax cars and boats. Uh, everybody knows about those two, but I don't think everybody realizes that you know, farmers pay a personal property tax on livestock and grain storage and farm equipment. Uh, business, wow. business equipment is taxed for personal property. The, the microphones and studio equipment you guys are using right now is, is taxed for, for personal business property tax purposes. And it, it really, if you add it all in, it raises a, a fair amount of money around the state for local governments in the state. It's almost all the taxes raised by personal property, for better or worse, and we'll get into both of them here today, uh, goes to local governments. A tiny smidge of it goes to the state, but it's almost all for school districts, fire districts, counties, and to a lesser extent cities. And what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing automatically wrong wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the effect for most people is... Because we have this personal property tax that most states and local governments don't have around the country, the real how it really affects people is that our real estate taxes are slightly lower. Now, nobody wants to hear that after going through the reassessment process that everybody just did in, in our region. But we have slightly lower real estate taxes than a lot of other states. And that would probably be the, the large end game of phasing out the personal property tax is that you know, most people agree that the Hancock Amendment would allow real estate taxes to increase slightly to offset the loss on personal property taxes. I happen to agree that we should phase out personal property taxes for a couple reasons, but I don't sell that to people as a big tax cut. For, for the vast majority of people, it would be sort of a revenue-neutral change was phased out, and the larger tax, the real estate tax, went up slightly to, to offset it. So who's fighting against this, David? Why would there be any question that, look, uh, nobody's going to lose anything. Uh, you know, you're stealing from Peter to pay Paul, your real estate taxes. And by the way, are real estate taxes the only tax that would increase slightly if we did did away with personal property yeah, tax? Would there be grocery taxes? Sales or, taxes go yeah. up mm-hmm. anywhere? Well, that's, you know, great questions. The real estate taxes would be the one that would likely go up to offset the lost revenue on personal property taxes. That doesn't mean that other taxing entities couldn't try to to say, well, we lost more than we expected. We didn't raise the yeah. real estate tax enough. Let's pass a sales tax increase and go to the voters for that. Nothing would say you couldn't do that, but that wouldn't automatically happen. And I think generally because real estate taxes provide much more revenue than personal property taxes, that the the switch would would generally be pretty simple. And for most people, again, relatively neutral. Who's fighting against it? Well, you know, inertia is a really powerful force in government, in politics. And you just have a lot of local governments that are used to getting this personal property tax, and they don't want to take the risk of having one phased out, school districts, counties, fire districts, whatever, they don't want to risk having one phased out and then the person, people opposing 
the real property tax increase, after all, it would be done by politicians who have to answer to voters. You know, maybe they wouldn't want to be the ones to have to raise those real property taxes a little bit. So there's a lot of there's a lot of local governments really concerned that in the end it would not be revenue neutral. And in particular, you know, I mentioned at the beginning how people don't realize don't realize that farm equipment and livestock those are all taxed. So you actually in rural areas the local governments depend a little more on the personal property tax than in urban and suburban areas. Sure, the cars raise a lot of money, but in rural areas you get the livestock tax, the grain tax, the the farming tractors. I mean, tractors cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they're taxed. So when you, in rural areas, you see some people really concerned about this this proposal. Somebody on the Woods Basement Systems text line, I pay taxes on a 1956 35-horsepower tractor. That sounds ridiculous. Small farmer. Yeah, but I'm sure that that is just one of those, uh, you know, anecdotes that you – pull out uh, in a conversation like this. Um, but David, if my property taxes went up, would that just be something that I'm paying every month? Like I, because at this time of year, my wife, she's the one who's always in charge. That's why I had to get a waiver. You'd escrow those probably. Yeah. This, she's always reminding me, Hey, personal property's coming. Let's make sure that we have enough money in the account to pay it. Cause it's a big hit. And that's, you know, somewhat oddly, and I might get criticized for this, that's one of the things I actually like about the personal property tax as somebody who believes in limited government is that it's sort of the one time a year that people go in and have to write a sizable check to the government and maybe ask themselves, what am I getting for all of this? Because, you know, our income taxes are withheld from our paychecks. Most people have a mortgage, so your property taxes are paid through monthly escrow payments to your to your mortgage. Yes, if you own your own home, you have to pay a large check at the end of each year for that house. But for most people, the personal property tax is the one time they cut a, a, a check of some size to the government, and I hope that leads to people thinking twice about what they're getting. That's not actually an argument to keep it. That's just That's just my looking for the silver lining of it. I do favor phasing it out because I... Property taxes should be focused on things that are less mobile, not more mobile. So the theory behind it, and it's very good theory, is that we should be taxing things that you can't move, things like land and buildings, basically, and not taxing things like cars and boats and farm equipment. You know, it's it's not a huge issue in the St. Louis area, but we all know, I think, some people who live on this side who keep their cars registered in Illinois, maybe at their place of employment or at a family member's house, so that they can avoid that personal property tax. I think you see even more of that in Kansas City, where it's you know more people cross those state lines on a regular basis. So you want to phase out the type of tax that leads to people trying to avoid it and focus more on the tax, in this case the property tax, which is harder to avoid. You know, I, I think about this as well because I've, I've got a place in Florida and there are uh, tolls you pay on, on certain roads. Is there the possibility that Missouri, and, and it's a lot easier than having people manning toll booths these days, everything's done electronically. Is there the possibility that we could make up that shortfall, if there is a shortfall, but uh, by charging tolls on Missouri's roads? Well, I mean, guy... Did- Dare to, dare to dream. I've, I love the idea of using more toll roads in the state of Missouri. But like, like a lot of my views, they don't tend to be popular with the general public, unfortunately. So 
I would love to see that. You know, extensive use of tolling in Missouri is going to require changing changing the state law, and to use it a lot require the state changing the state constitution, which we're very anti-toll road in Missouri, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of your people, a lot of your listeners probably know there's really one toll road in the whole state, and that's the bridge in the Lake of the Ozarks, which was not paid for with gas taxes. It was paid for with bonds based on tolling, and that's how they sort of got around the prohibition on it. Yes, I would love to see us pay more of our pay for more of our roads and other transportation infrastructure with tolling, but it's probably not a realistic option for for using that to to make up for the lost personal property tax money. The the law allows. Uh, real estate taxes in this scenario to be increased. We people saw that a lot in in 2009, 10, and 11 when when the real estate values crashed in the Great Recession, and and the local governments were just allowed to raise property taxes to offset those assessment losses. Usually, when you raise property tax rates, you need votes of the people. But there are exceptions, and that that decline in assessed valuation or revenue in one way is is that exception. We'll pick up our conversation with David Stokes, director of the municipal policy at the Show Me State Institute, in just a second. But there is a guy that's having a birthday today, and uh, we got to get in there and help him blow up some balloons because, uh, you know, he's short on breath at his age. <laughs> Captain Paul Kopsky with more on the uh, rush hour for a Thursday. Thanks a lot, Guy. A two-vehicle crash on 64 East past Hanley has been cleared. Traffic is on the move at Hanley, but there's a residual slowdown all the way back past Lindbergh. Elsewhere, a stalled vehicle on 64 East past Chestnut downtown is blocking the right lane. There's debris in the center lane on 64 East before Kings Highway, and a stalled vehicle on 270 West at West Florissant is blocking the right lane. From the KTRS Traffic Center, I'm Captain Paul Kopsky on the Big 550 KTRS. All right, David Stokes is joining us. And, David, just really quickly, going back to personal property tax, how are they calculated? And is what Bill is suggesting is that we completely get rid of them or lower them? I think Senator Eigel, and I'm certainly not in a position to speak for him, but I think he would like to completely get rid of them. And I agree that we should. I think he's a little more realistic. His attempts are trying to phase them out over over time. So I'd, that's what I think he'd, he'd like to do. How is it calculated? It's, it's sort of confusing here. It's calculated like for your car, which is, of course, what the majority of people's experience is. It's based on one-third of the value of your car. So if you have a, a $20,000 used car, it's, based, it's then 33 and a third percent of that is used as the tax, and then you apply your tax rate to that number. So, for example... If you have a $20,000 car, if you have about an $8 personal property tax rate, which is about average for the area, that's going to come out to a property tax bill of right about $530. And what we saw in the past few years was a flaw in our system where, unlike real property taxes, which are supposed to roll back as assessments increase, personal property is exempt from that because it was sort of always assumed that values would always decline. Well, we saw during the pandemic, you know, yeah. A, oh yeah. Used, used cars. Sure. Right. Yeah. You went up and because they're not required for rates to roll back, local governments really saw a little bit of a windfall in the last year or two from that. So that's absolutely, even if we keep personal property taxes, that's a change we need to make at the state level. And as our listeners said about their 1956 tractor, do I ever 
grow out of, you know, if I have a car that's 30 years old, am I still paying personal property taxes on that? You are. And I would I would imagine that for a car that old or a tractor that old, it, the tax you're paying on it is probably really, really low. So I would be curious what he, he pays for that tractor. Uh, I, I would just like to know. I'll say that if your car, if you're like an automobile collector and your car gets to historic status, meaning it hits cert, a certain age, then the value that it's taxed goes down from 33% to 5%. So the tax on a historic car you keep in your garage, that too is going to get really, really low. And that's a good thing. I certainly don't think we should be taxing historic tractors or historic automobiles and making it difficult for people to keep them. David, uh, I would love to continue this uh, conversation. We've got uh, other things to tend to today. But please come back on the show and let's talk about what the impact would be if the personal property tax goes away. And I'm all for that, by the way. I'd Uh, be delighted to. I always love being on the air with you guys, being on the Big 550, and thank you for the chance. And thanks for the, uh, the promo. We appreciate that very much. Take care of yourself. 455 on the Big 550. It's the Heidi Show on KTRS. And now, the top five at five. These are news stories from around the room. Okay. Ah, California. Why anybody would live in California? I'd lived there for a while. I don't know. It just... Well, the weather's nice. Well, depending on... Eh, you know. What was that town that guy hates, Bakersfield? Well, it wasn't ba- Bakersfield isn't terrible. Oh, what a dump. What a dump in Bakersfield. Fresno was sort of oh, yeah. not great. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he corrected himself. I yeah. lived there for a while. You know, yeah. I, I need to apologize Sacramento. To Sacramento, yeah, the dump. state capital, it's not. My apologies to the Bakersfieldians. Uh, <laughs> Fresno was the dump I was thinking of. Well, uh, out in California, the parents of a middle schooler are suing. Why? He went to... Uh, emulate one of his favorite football players at a uh, at a football game and he they they accused him of wearing blackface because he put on eye black he had eye black but it was it it, it covered oh, his lower cheeks you see these days they got it's the, everywhere the DJ yeah, the, Watt and all the yeah yeah they it's do everywhere. they do crosses and yeah. you know um anyway so the school uh, administrators uh called him in and uh, they suspended him for a couple of days. They barred him from attending any future athletic events. This is a 13-year-old kid. 13-year-old kid. And if I showed you the picture, excuse me one sec. <clears throat> if I showed you the picture of this kid, you could see that his uh, his forehead and underneath his, uh, kind of under his eyes and around his ears, n- nothing. But, you know, everything else like below was in kind of a diamond pattern and it. It was not blackface, for God's sakes. And they characterized this kid's face painting as an offensive comment that was intended to harm. Why are we so sensitive? Why is everybody so damn sensitive? Stop. I'm looking at the picture right now. Okay, what do you think? I mean, there's a lot of it on here. He's 13. But there's nothing on his forehead. Nothing at all. There's nothing on his nose. There's nothing even. Do you think a 13 year old? Do you think he knows what blackface is? No, I don't. Yeah. No, I don't. It's not an Al Jolson look. 
Anyway, yeah. I, I, think, I, yes. I hope that, you know, I hope this family wins a whole bunch of money and we can stop this. I mean, there's, it, it, common sense has truly gone. It, it's gone. Out the way. It's gone. All you have to do is say, okay, wh- what what really is the meaning? You know, you, you take the kid aside and you go, you know, this this could be interpreted as something offensive. So next time, don't paint your face and he like said, this. Yeah, and he says, what's blackface? Yeah. And you're like, okay. Well, don't open the can of worms. Just say, you know, it, 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 some people get offended by this stuff. That's it. Yeah. Suspending him and then not allowing him to go to any other athletic events. Those school administrators there, get rid of them. Uh, all right. Sorry. Well, I implore anyone uh, who's not driving right now to look at the picture for yourself. Um, the Portland Trailblazers are apparently a basketball team. and oh, well, They apparently, apparently. are. <laughs> yes. For, I think, the last about 60 years or so. <laughs> yeah. I've always been stunned that Portland had a professional basketball team. I mean, St. Louis doesn't even have one. We did. We, we had, had two. one, and now it's gone. Uh, well, do, you, but, do you count the spirit? I Well, I mean, you have to, in, right? They were, ABA. The, they were in the ABA. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, Bob Costas was the play-by-play guy, wasn't he? He was. So, uh, and the the owners are, were still getting paid as of a couple of years ago. That story is amazing. But the Portland Trailblazers have a center, DeAndre Ayton. And he is a, a star on the in the NBA. I wouldn't go that far. Wouldn't go that far. Well, as far as on the team goes, he's one of the better players on a team who is currently 10 and 29. So they're not very good. But with this winter weather that is hitting every state in the country, Portland got a big ice storm. And on uh, Tuesday night, apparently, was it Tuesday night or was it last night? He could not attend the basketball game against the Nets. Because he was stuck in his house and couldn't get through the icy patch at the front of his neighborhood. Hmm. That's okay. I mean, is it? Yeah. Listen. Is it? Listen. Just yeah, because wait a he's wait. You make mil- he, he makes like thirty million a year. I know, but just because he makes thirty million a year and he's a basketball player, and he plays that shouldn't preclude him from having to get you know snowed in or stuck in. Or here's, here's what they have said. They said that are they going to find him? He tried for hours to get past the sheet of ice. The Blazers sent people out to help him, and they couldn't help him. With no luck, they said that. Um, Is there no like salt they can put down? They should have brought turn. a helicopter in for heaven's sakes and lift him out of there. What about the snowmobile? Can we send in a snowmobile to he, go and pick him up? The owner or? said, "Look, we're ten and twenty-nine. It's not going to make any difference. <laughs> the team is worth." Over a billion dollars. The they have unlimited amounts of resources at their disposal. So what's the bottom line? They didn't find the guy. They're not going to they, fire. They're him. not going to find the guy. And they're not going to fire him. But they sent multiple people out, and they still couldn't figure out a way. You know, and the picture I'm thinking of is is some people on this side of the ice, and some people on that side of the ice, and they're all scratching their heads. Why didn't yeah, they just slide him across? Just walk across. Here's another story. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now get in your car. You know, talk about common sense going out. (laughs) Well, good good luck. Uh, Yeah, right. Yeah, hope the team bring them a winner. Don't want to break legs on ice. (laughs) 
he's from the Bahamas, I believe. Oh, oh, Bahamas. I don't want to break my legs, man. Uh, Shenandoah, <laughs> Iowa, an OBGYN made it into a delivery. They, Iowa, got hit harder than just about anybody. We've been seeing it with the caucuses. Dr. Chase Brown knew that he had to get to the hospital, and the only way he was going to make it to deliver this baby was to get on his four-wheeler and drive in. Why didn't we get that guy to go to Portland? He said he cleared snow drifts by hitting them at 20 miles per hour. Snow (laughs) went everywhere and went flying in all directions, but just keep going through the next one is what I had to do. It's like he's on a sand dune. The whole medical team did the same thing. They knew that they had to brave the snow and ice and cold to get to the hospital to deliver these babies. And not only was it just... You're writing a Hallmark movie right now. You know that. Right. I mean, this guy. I've seen pictures of this doctor. He is very handsome. So (laughs) any woman in the country, he could have his pick. But it wasn't just for the gardener's baby, who they named Berkeley. Little Berkeley. Oh, I like that name. She's doing just fine. He delivered three other babies... In the same method, driving the the ATV four-wheeler into the hospital. So on one hand, you have a million-dollar athlete with all the resources at his disposal in Portland. Can't get over a sheet of ice, but the Iowa doctor is driving 20 miles through snowbanks just to get to the hospital to deliver the babies. And one of the things about this player, which you might not know, Josh, because you didn't even know Portland had a team, so I doubt you follow the NBA. (laughs) Does Portland still have a team? But one of his knocks is that he's kind of unprofessional. He's not always committed, kind of, you know, in and out. Sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like the show. And it kind of seems like uh, I would just wonder how much ice there was. I'd love to see a picture because it could have been... it's one of those excuse. Oh, I can't come in today. It's just so icy. Yeah, a river of ice. Just you a know. little bit of ice. So walk a quarter of a mile, go around it. Walk yeah, right. around it. I don't get it. Or slide on it. your bum to they get together. They sent multi- a team of, of employees out to get him, and they still couldn't convince him yeah. to come they, to they work. Sh- they, should, they should have sent the uh, the chopper. Yeah. yeah. Chop a fall. Chop a fall. Uh, <laughs> I got a sports story as well for you, Josh. Uh Yesterday, in, in England, the FA Cup was going on. You follow soccer this a little is a bit. English, this is, this is the English soccer. English soccer. Tournament. It's a tournament guy because I, I doubt you follow it very much. I don't even know what FA is. Yeah. It's, it's always the, dirty. It's the Football Association Cup. That's right. Two teams were playing Wolverhampton uh, and Brentford. Oh. One of the referees got injured or unable to perform the rest of the the match so they called on the stadium no this kind of goes like to your your basketball player they called on the state does anyone here have is anyone licensed at any level to be a referee and one of the fans got pulled down now he wasn't the main guy sure sure i get he's there he's the fourth official so for the rest of the game they called this fan down and he's wearing the team gear (laughs) Oh, that's not good. And he has to be the official for the rest of the game. Were they cheering or booing? He said they told him, you, you, now, you can't cheer the rest of the game because right, it's the it. home team. He said, no, you're an official now. You can't cheer the rest of the game. And they had this big comeback win. They won no. at the last minute, 3-2. to two. But he didn't have and anything said, to do with it. 
He's no, he didn't have anything to do with it. But he said he couldn't cheer or anything because he's had to be the official. That's so pretty cool. Standing there, stone faced, the whole stadium you stone ma- mad. Can you imagine? And I know it's not Game Six, David Freeze, but can you imagine? Game six, David Freeze. Something amazing like that. And you have to go, oh, my God. Another Hallmark movie. It, it's like they call you in to be the left field umpire. You, yeah. know, you don't make a ton of calls right. there. But, like, you know, <laughs> you, you still got to be professional, even I though it's not your job. That just happened. Uh, <laughs> so, you know that every hockey game, they've got an extra oh, goalie. Just the, go- the goalie. The, the emergency backup. Yeah. Yep. And that's ha- like uh, in Toronto a few years back. uh He's is a he Zamboni in, driver is he for in right. pads the whole time, or no, is he no, just like no. sitting there nope. in nope. street clothes? Yeah, this guy was just a local Zamboni smoking a, driver, a cigarette, right just waiting. And he made like fifty saves and got the win. Just this oh, random wow. guy. I think it happened in Chicago. Might have even happened here once. I can't remember, but it happens yeah. infrequently. It's but the it same does. guy for both teams. Yeah. Uh, this guy, by the way, was only qualified to ref at a youth level, so he did like youth. Uh, is he like a line judge or something? Yeah, for like ten year olds. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Does that make you qualified to nope. referee at the highest level? But remember, if, remember look, in Naked Gun where Frank Drebin. Enrico Palazzo. Uh, yeah, the... dressed up as the umpire to get closer to <laughs> Yeah, the right, dude, exactly. Uh, <laughs> strike? <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. Well, I got to tell you, if a guy on a plane, if somebody said, hey, we need a pilot, anybody Would fly. Would you stand up? I, well, I have to say that if I was a passenger and some guy said he was a pilot, uh, it's better than not having a pilot. So it's better having that guy as a youth ref than not having any at all, I guess. But would I stand up? Yeah, I'd stand up. I, you know, if there wasn't anybody more qualified. Well, don't, if I'm on the flight, don't do this as you're walking into the cockpit. Man, I've always wanted to do this. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> this would be fun. Hang on, folks. I mean, are you qualified to land a commercial? No, 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 no. no I'm not right. even qualified to land a, any plane now. I'm not no, current. It, it lapses. But yeah, it does. It, it you, you know, and, and I, I don't have my medical and all that stuff. But you know, in an emergency. Could I? I could certainly try, and I, think I understand. Everyone thinks that. Regardless oh yeah, they of, do. Well, the, I think the tower could talk me through it, right? And then I could. Have could you land. seen? You, you think they could? Yeah. yeah. The SNL. You watch it all the time. You watch it I more do. than anyone I know. I well, I, I I just like comedy. And... Uh, it was within the last couple of years they did one where they happened to be flying over Scottish. Airspace. Oh yes, yeah. And they're trying they to couldn't talk. understand them. Yeah. Couldn't understand a word. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very funny. <laughs> and it was a very good bit. Very funny bit. All right, uh, we got to move on. So uh, another thing. Here's a another story that just. I mean, th- this kind of stuff infuriates me. But I want you to know, our, our listeners, that I feel this way about stuff like this. There is a, uh, and maybe you read the story. Seattle high school teacher there. Uh, has been accused by the uh, uh, mother of this student, and I'm not a fan of when parents get involved to this degree, but I think she probably was okay doing this. Um, he described himself as being straight. Uh, so, you know, they, he, the, the teacher actually came out with this little, uh, I don't know, beginning of the year, uh, a social identity wheel worksheet. A, why do we need this? Um the teacher said it's 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 for them to reflect on various identities, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation. Folks who are in school, let's just learn. We don't have to deal with this. I I, I just I'm you know and and there's a place to talk about this stuff, but 
you know, this social identity wheel. So the guy, the kid said he was straight. And it, it, the teacher said that's offensive because it suggests that LGBTQ people must be crooked. Must be crooked. And so um, he kind of was ripping on this kid. Now, I don't know if any other students in the class identified as straight, but this mother took it to the school. Uh, this is a 10th grade kid. Um, the teacher told her that he was the product of a patriarchy. Who says that? Who says that? This is a public school. I don't know. Anyway, um, hopefully they'll work out things there, but... And to your point, right. why even have the... Why? Uh, the... The, the wheel. assignment. Yeah. Right, exactly. The wheel. It's not necessary. If you're using it just to pick, I mean, straight is, is that's the term. The, exactly. And I don't it, know where it comes from. And so the, apparently the, the quiz, they say, was meant to promote inclusion. And as it did, it excluded this kid. I mean, yeah, nothing just, is more. It's a stupid exercise. Ludicrous. Right. Uh, you know what else is a stupid exercise? Waiting for Madonna to take the stage at her own concert. Years ago. Oh, she, she's known for this. When she played here, Heidi went to go see it. She didn't take the stage until well after 11. It might have been after midnight before she even took the stage. And That's people, Eric Clapton. Oh, yeah. After midnight? You yeah. get it? Some music. Thing. She's notorious for this. Well, two fans in New York. They went to go see her at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, have filed a lawsuit claiming unconscionable, unfair, and or deceptive trade practices because the ticket for the Madonna Celebration Tour was marketed at an 8.30 p.m. start time, and she didn't take the stage until well after 10.30 p.m. Now, do these two people have an argument? They say as a result, by the time the show let out after 1 a.m., they were confronted with limited public transportation options, limited ride sharing, and or increased public and private transportation costs. Because once you get to a certain part at night, then you hit surge The price pricing. goes up, yeah. The mm-hmm. price goes up for these things. Additionally, they said it was a weeknight show, and they had to get up early to go to work and or take <laughs> care of family responsibilities the next day. I don't know if this is a lawsuit that they're going to win, but it makes me so mad yeah. when I see Madonna make her fans wait two plus two to three plus hours. Well, first of all, you should know that that's what she does. Now, that doesn't excuse her not doing that. The, the lawsuit has no merit. But what it does do is it says to the industry, hey, we're sick and tired of these artists holding us hostage until they perform. Um, and what the artist is doing when they get the information that they're being sued is, whatever, it's just more publicity for me. Live Nation needs to get sued because somebody needs to step in and say, you have to take the stage. Or we're going to, Live Nation should yeah. should sue her at some point. Someone during the 2019 tour sued her for the exact same thing. And didn't win. Uh, I mean, is it really that big of a deal if it's... 
An it hour takes me. An hour is one thing. That's, that's right? Two an and a half hour. hours. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours is something else. I, I mean, mean, come on. What are you doing? You could have gone you to know. two other concerts and then still made that one. She addressed the crowd. Not, not unless they're late, <laughs> Right? Yeah. After the 2019 lawsuit, she addressed a crowd in Las Vegas telling the crowd, there's something that you all need to understand, and that is a queen is never late. And when I first read that, I was like, what do you mean? You were late by two and a half hours. No. The queen is never late because... she gets there when she wants she to get there. She gets there when she, I don't think so, Madonna. Yeah. The, the, Give the me a break. A pop? No. You, are, you are not better than any of us, okay? Well, here she grew up in Detroit... Yet she speaks like this. Yes, yeah, she, I don't she know has where a, she a got British the, accent. Yes. So I don't know where um, she got that. Her last name is Chacone. Yeah. Uh, it just makes me so mad when I see this story. I hope that, that either they win this lawsuit or at least it makes Live Nation say, we can't keep booking you unless you come out. Yeah. Uh, at least an hour after the but show starts. I got to tell you. That's not going to happen. Can't you just have the opener stick around a little longer? <laughs> That's not the point. Hey, guys, she's running late. Can we, yeah. can we play for another hour? <laughs> stretch. Stretch. <laughs> you know, and, and the poor opener, because think about this. Most people are going, okay, it's Madonna. Show starts at 8. Why don't we get there at 1030 or 11? <laughs> you know, and then you never see the guy that does the open, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, we don't even have to be in our seats until 1130. Yeah, it's it's uh, lousy form. Very what lousy. It is. Yeah. I'm so mad at her. I got to tell you, her early stuff was really good. Really good. Some of her later stuff is good. It's not bad. Um, You know, they kept saying, oh, Madonna keeps reinventing herself. I think she just keeps getting more. And and this is what happens to older people. Just aggravating. (laughs) Irritating. (laughs) Get off my lawn. Uh, All right. The science is out. Men. This is women are from... Mars, Venus, Venus thing. from Mars. When it comes to navigating, men actually are better with directions. I believe that. However, and there's always caveat, a however in life. There is. When you're in a mall, mm-hmm. women nope. are much better. <laughs> Again, I don't know if that's true. I uh, believe it's true. I don't know where anything... Controversial I, here, guys. Well, listen, I go into a mall, I walk into a store, and I'll come out and I... Always, not once or twice, but always go the way we came in. You, uh, we got to go this way. Oh, oh geez, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Always, but outdoors, you know, I asked my wife, uh, is that north of uh, Lindbergh? I don't know what's north. What It's right. My wife. I know, but what direction are you heading? No matter if she's going downtown, cross town, or to the gas station, mm-hmm. she will put the address in her phone and let Google tell her how to get there. And we get into arguments because oh, I know how, how to do get you there. learn. I know how to get there. I'll just take uh, 141. And she, well, that's not what Google said. <laughs> Google wants you to take page extension. Well, you like, should listen to Google because they, they actually know. Yeah, no, I did mm-hmm. listen to Google. And rather than take me to Collinsville and then go south to Belleville, which is a straight shop, they sent me through East St. Louis because it was one minute shorter. Mm-hmm. It was faster. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. You know what? And with the highway driving, I think I actually probably got home quicker doing the the regular route. But I got into a bad neighborhood. I put in the Palladium downtown. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I put that in the phone, and it took me into the neighborhood. I had no idea where I was. No business being in. It probably. was crazy. My wife's following me, and I know she was panicking. Like, Why are you getting off here? Yeah. You know? Uh, and you know, the reality is, it's like, you know, don't send me to North Grand to get me uh, to somewhere. But Google doesn't know what the neighborhoods are like. Uh, anyway, Champaign... Urbana, University of Illinois, did the study. It was a big, wide-reaching study, large sample size, who came from different economic brackets, cultures, races, and more. They all came to the conclusion that men are better at navigating than women, but it has nothing to do with biological sex or evolution. They say that society encourages boys to play outside more frequently than girls, allowing to develop navigational skills from a younger age. And that's what they're pegging it on. Now, that's very interesting. On the flip side of that, can I ask you, which way is north from here? North, well, in the studio, just point. See, hang on, though. I'm in a building. I don't care. If you, you should... put me outside, it'd be a little different. <laughs> no. I mean, Josh, I would agree with you, but you're here literally every yeah. day. Yeah. So you should know which way. Which way is just point north right now. I think it's no, no, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> is that not right? It's that's, this way. It's, yeah. It's like straight that right. way. So I'm sitting on my front porch <laughs> out in Newtown. It's me, my wife, and my best friend. And we're watching fireworks. And I, oh, do you think that's coming from the St. Charles Riverfront? And I'm pointing over there. And they go, what direction do you think that is? You know, I'm pointing the complete opposite direction. <laughs> this was outside. And this you was outside. This was outside. Right? You know, with the, when the road turns, <laughs> kind of throws me off. Mm. I didn't realize yeah. I was facing south. It's pretty um, easy here in this town, right? I'm, I think east, I'm, it, the whole thing runs east to west, yeah, right? So yeah. if you know the roads, I think I'm pretty good at navigating, and I think the years of being a delivery driver for emos really helped me with that. But we all get turned around sometimes. On the flip side, women are better at remembering people's names than men are. Fifty-eight percent of us say there's a good chance we won't remember a person's name, but when you break it down to men versus women. of women have trouble with it, and 61% of men have trouble remembering someone's name. I'm terrible. And I have read all the things about trying to remember how to remember somebody's name. I don't know what it is. Is it me personally? You know, because didn't they say that Bill Clinton... Look, Dennis, it's not you. (laughs) Is it Dennis? Didn't they say Bill Clinton was always real good at that, remembering people's names? As soon as you tell me your name, it's gone. Yeah, I know. Like almost immediately. I don't even know why I bother asking. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to remember it on the second and third time. Maybe it sticks. That's because you think you're better than everybody. Is that what it is? No, I, do, I really don't know. Not me and 61% of all the other men out there. Why is it I can remember lyrics to songs I heard as a freshman in high school, but I can't remember somebody's name that is Right Standing in front of me. in front of you that just said it four seconds ago. It even happened today in did the it? office. Well, did it? I asked you, who's that? <laughs> remember that? Yeah, you're I right. can't remember. Yeah. No, no. I remember? That's it, Connor. It wasn't you, Larry. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it is. it is. So I do believe women have a better 
recall for names. And I don't think that that has anything to do with our short attention spans, with our phones, this, that, and the other. I just, for some reason, I cannot remember someone's name the second after they tell me. And here's another thing about women that I can assure you. They're more attractive than men. Oh, by far. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even close. It's not uh, just an opinion you hold because you're a straight man. I am not crooked. Don't call him straight. I am not crooked. That's why everyone else is crooked. (laughs) Uh, What do you remember that you're shocked at this point? Like, do you still remember your childhood phone number? Oh, yeah, of course. Right? Your address. 312. 432-7559. 432-7559. Or Kinda Idlewood calling. 2. Yeah. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, we had ID 27559. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. We did that on the yard sale one morning. It was a slow it was a slow morning. Right. So I was asking people if they remember their exchanges. Their exchanges. Yeah. And they, they the text line lit up. You know, oh, we were KL5. Klondike mm-hmm. 5. Yeah, Klondike. We were Westwood 2, you know, WE. Idlewood too. It's wild. When did that go away? I mean, it, I'm 42 years old. We never had it in but, the 80s. But you know what? You could always remember somebody's number. I think better than if you gave them all numbers. You just go ID, ID two, seven five five nine. Oh yeah, okay. He's at an ID two. Is that better than learning seven letter seven numbers? I think it, it's easier, but uh, I think. The exchanges were because what they do is they take groups uh, or an area, like a suburban area or a city area, mm-hmm. and that would be your Idlewood exchange, and then you're, you'd be... I mean, in North County, growing up in the 80s, we were 839, mm-hmm. and they had 837s, and they had several 921s. But no area code. You never had to dial the area code. Yeah, never. 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 636 and, wasn't even a thing. Back and then. Yeah, all area codes were 314 here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we looked into this, uh, Josh and I, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. That like half the state was three one four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Heidi down south was she doesn't even remember. She doesn't remember, but she nine seven three. Oh, she was three one four. Yeah, yeah. At the you know, oh for, half for the state a good stretch because yeah. the eastern half of the state was three one four. So if you remember your exchange, text it, and if you remember when you stopped giving people the exchange and just started telling them. Uh, do you remember what your phone number was when you moved to U City? Uh, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I do remember when I lived in Chesterfield what that was because I, I saw it the other day. But otherwise, if you'd asked me, I would have said no. Right. Do you remember uh, you always talk about El Paso? El Paso, 915. See? That's about yeah, nine, that's nine about one. F- no. Nope. I mean, do you remember numbers nowadays at all? You know, if someone gives no. you a number, you just put it in your phone. You put it in the phone. Right. It's made you stupid. I, I mean, could, could. Could you even call your wife nope. right now if you nope. didn't have your phone? You you don't know Kim's? I oh, know my no, 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 no. Yeah. I know my I know my wife's phone number. But yes. your, what about your kids? Nope. Right. Well, I do know my daughter's because it goes around the. It's one three nine seven. He's got a mnemonic device a, for yeah, it. He's got something. <laughs> yeah. How but, do the rest of the kids feel that their numbers don't get? Screw them. You know, they're out of the trust. Uh, what so do we, I care? Right. On the text line, the Weather Channel, which was, I think, probably time and temperature, FA1-2522. Call it. Call it now. 314-FA1. it was 321-2522. Is that, that what was, it is? That was the weather. Uh, you is know, it still they, going? They'd give you the... Connor, can dial you call, it. Can you dial yeah. it up on the air? Here, I, I can do it right here. Here. Give me a dial tone. I don't know if we... I no, think you we, can let's, do. T- let's screen it first. No, Josh. we don't have to screen yeah, Who cares? No. Come on, I'll take the heat on this one. 
It's got to be. Okay, so 314, Wait, right? Wait, do I have to dial 314? Yes. FA1-2522. Hello. F, that'd be Falstaff. Falstaff 1. Was it? Oh. 2522. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected. Oh, it's, no it doesn't time. work anymore. Why is it sometimes when you get a wrong number, there's a British woman that talks to you? Have you yeah. heard that before? Whose voice is that? I don't know. You've I called the wrong number. Stop yeah. calling here. That, yeah. You're irritating us. In other states and cities, is the, we're sorry, your phone number is disconnected? Is that, I don't know. Is it the same voice? I don't know who the, what, that had to be, because that's been around for a long time. That had to be a real woman. At some point. Who is that? That's who what I'm saying. That? I'm saying. You know. And when you go to an airport. I think it's the name, her name is Helen. I just feel that. When you go to an airport, they have the same woman doing the announcements at every airport. Well, no, I hear the guy, you know, the luggage guy. He's got a great voice, by the way. The, the guy that does the luggage thing. Uh, all suitcases look a little... You know, <laughs> did you ever get asked to be like a luggage PA or yeah. something? Like, hey, guy, we want you to do some voice work. You know, I, we want you to be the voice welcome of... Welcome to uh, Lambert St. Louis yeah, International <laughs> Airport. I would love it, but nobody asked No me. one's ever asked nah. you. Yeah. But, uh, but I do like that guy's voice. All black suitcases look like black suitcases. <laughs> I don't know what the guy says, but... He's got a wonderful voice. Well, there's a woman that does it, too. And I noticed that in New York and in Orlando and in uh, Pensacola, when we go down there, mm-hmm. it's the same woman that is up here. Time and temp, three, two, one, two, 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 no, two. No, no. I, so I think what Still happened, works. I think the guy that gave us that number, two, five, two, two, mm-hmm. I think he screwed up. I think it was two, 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 two. Because no, it's the same number. They it? both worked. Oh, they did. Back in the day. Oh, okay. All right. Connor, give me a downtown. Well, we got to go to break here, Josh. So maybe All right. Start I got to go. Uh, I got a meeting. and I has got a board meeting to get to. All right. I'll call it in the break. Okay. And then I'll let you know. Yep. Uh, but, Guy, thanks for stopping you in got today. It. You'll be back tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday as well. It's so. called bonus. Yeah, you get a bonus guy. Have a good night, everyone. And we'll be back to clear out the show, do some randoms, and find out if Time and Tim still works right after this. All the people sending in their exchanges, all the people saying, uh, you know, I haven't called that number in 20 years. Apparently over in Illinois, it's 618-465-4545. I never knew that. And someone said that the lady's voice on Time and Temp, or at least the uh, your number, that number is disconnected. Someone said her name was Kate, and their kids went to school together. She worked for AT&T, and they tapped her to do the voice. We'll look into all that tomorrow because we're out of time today, but I will leave you with a random or two. The most popular song in the history of Norway is Love Hurts by Nazareth. It was number one for 61 straight weeks in 1976 and 1977. Meanwhile, over here, it never got higher than number eight. We'll be back again tomorrow. Guy Phillips filling in for Heidi for another day. We'll see you then.